four games in the books for most of the Pac-12 teams, while one team has only played one game. The Pac-12 Power Rankings. And of course, our reviews from you guys. Why do the college football playoff rankings hate the Pac-12, even though there are three teams ranked big-time discrepancies? The best-case scenario for the conference for this season. And the Pac-12 officials are making news again in the wrong ways. Players are starting to opt out across the country, and we have some in the Pac-12 as well, plus some players suspended. Stanford is being forced to move from Santa Clara County. They are nomads without a home. The Pac-12 is losing bowl games. And our early season hoops takeaway. He's Ralph Amsden. I'm George Reister. And this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your energy. Please leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Even though Ralph will tell you not to, please do it. Because this is we believe we're putting on a five-star production. And also, if you guys want to get a hold of us, hit us up at Pac-12Apostles on Twitter or he or Ralph at Ralph Amsden, me at George Reister, or the podcast at Pac-12Apostles. And you can hit us up. I'm mad. I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. And we will absolutely respond to your emails. The Pac-12 Apostles podcast is the podcast by Pac-12 fans for Pac-12 fans where you're going to get the absolute truth. And we hopefully we entertain you along the way. We're not going to sugarcoat it about the conference. We're going to tell you what's good, what's bad and what's ugly. But you're going to get the truth and an honest assessment from us. And Ralph, I want to start with this. This wasn't on the menu at first, but I just thought about it. I absolutely hate Friday night games for the Pac-12. First of all, the ratings aren't there in terms of playing a regular game on ESPN, on Fox, on FS1. You're going to get more viewership on a Saturday than you are on a Friday night. Second thing Weird stuff happens on Friday night. Like you get weird results in the Pac-12. So it should be left for Maction. It should be left for uh, FCS teams, for the AAC. And I still am upset with you and Dan Patrick for even suggesting the Pac-12 should play on Wednesdays. That's where I'm at, Ralph. (laughs) I... I mean, I'm, uh, there's some Wednesday NFL going on right now while we're watching this, and, and it's uh, quite sloppy, and I, I can only imagine how bad things would go. Um, when, so when you, were, when you were ranting about this um, on your personal podcast, uh, <laughs> right or wrong, I was thinking about just going down the rabbit hole of the Friday Pac-12 games and seeing – how often the favorite actually ended up taking an L because I know it's freshest in your mind because Arizona state knocked Oregon out of the national title conversation last year. Last year. And yep. this year it happened uh, or Arizona state last year, Oregon state this year. Um, but I, f- I feel like there's probably something to that. Uh, I, I, I want to say it feels like I, I could be wrong about this, 
but it feels like number five Washington came to Arizona State on a Friday night and ended up taking a loss. It consistently happens, dude. You get these weirdo results because the Pac-12 builds its schedule like that. It'll it'll have a team play like two two away game. Well, it'll have them play a home game, away game, and then an away game on a Friday night, and it'll be you know Oregon, Washington, or USC, and you know it'll be some of the better teams in the conference. Like they set them up to fail. The Big Ten would never do this. The uh, the SEC, not a snowball's chance in hell. The ACC just let Notre Dame and um, Clemson basically cancel a week of football. <laughs> they could have a week off and, and be ready for the championship game. I, I, it is, it is, it befuddles me that the Pac-12 just consistently won't do the best thing for its teams that are supposed to be the best. And, and, and mind you, that changes for on a year-to-year basis. But everybody coming into the season had a good feeling that USC, Washington, and Oregon were going to be the creme de la creme of the conference. So why not set them up for su- success? Like, it, it's the same way they do with football. They try to create this parody. Oh, women's soccer and, and men's baseball is equal to football. And so is diving and tennis. No, it's not. No, it's not. So prop up your good teams. That way they can make the college football playoff. That way you get more money. The conferences look at more favorably. People actually want to watch you on television. Uh, you, you play the hits, dude. You don't go trying to like spread the wealth. Play the hits and then, then let your trickle-down economics work. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, you know how I feel about Friday football. Anyway, it's for high school. Um, if you play football on a Friday, you're a high school team. <laughs> like that's that's the way it is for me. My priority is always going to be the Friday night lights because I cover recruiting, and you put yourself at a recruiting disadvantage when you take away the ability for kids to actually watch your games, whether it's in person um, on their bye week or or you know whatever it you just you you're taking away the opportunity to showcase your product to the people who actually enhance your product and that goes for it not being fan friendly either so it's not fan friendly it's not recruiting friendly but it's tv friendly okay like who who cares uh last year Arizona State only managed to beat Sacramento State 19 to 7 on a friday night and then you know they they <laughs> Uh, the, the Oregon game was actually a Saturday. I think it's just fresh in your mind, um, because of the, the Oregon state game. I think I'm, I'm also out here having some, some false memories, but I'm, I'm looking at all the schedules the last few years and there's some zany stuff that happened on Fridays, but I think they rotated it to make sure that not too many of these games got played on Friday nights. I would like to change that to absolutely never. Um, they actually played Oregon state on a Friday night. Um, November 29th, 2013, that ended up being a 36 to 35 win. So super close game back then too. And I know sometimes the after Thanksgiving games are just a, just a tradition in the first place, but Oregon actually throughout the years has not been terrible, um, on Friday night. I think, I think it just stings with you 
um, because it's so recent. They did. Oh, they did take a go, double. Go back to go back to Marcus Mariota during no, November when Oregon wore the black and pink uniforms, and then Arizona went up to Eugene on a Friday night and won, and then they played him in the Pac-12 championship and beat him by a million. Yeah, and then I guess you got your Friday, October twenty first, twenty sixteen double overtime loss at Cal. <laughs> yep. to move to See, to move to zero and four in the conference. I mean, but that was a bad year. That was a bad year. But regardless. It, is it is it still not is it still not Friday Friday nights, buddy? I leave everybody. If everybody else wants to play on Friday nights, fine. Do not. I I hate Larry Scott more. I, I don't hate him as a person. I, I hate the job he's doing, and and continuously allowing these Friday night games is part of the reason why. I, I won't let I won't let Michael Scott any any air, dude. He cannot have any breathing room. But to be to be clear, you don't mind Friday, October eleventh, twenty nineteen, forty five to three over Colorado. You don't mind that. That that's more honestly, that's more of an outlier than it is. <laughs> would you would you agree with that? That that's been more of an outlier than the actual normal result maybe i'm all i know is i am going to hate it regardless and no matter what i'm going to be upset because you're taking away your ability to recruit and you're taking away your ability to take care of your fan base and give them traditions a time to play on on saturday that they can plan to bring their family they can plan to tailgate they know where they're going to be and when the the Switching around of everything in the Pac-12 from week to week is a large part of the reason why it's such a poor product. And until the commissioner of this conference recognizes the fact that because you don't have, because you don't honor traditions of tailgating, because you don't allow recruits ease of access to your product because you don't allow potential television viewers ease of access to your product, you are self-sabotaging. And until that is recognized at the absolute highest level of this conference, then it, I mean, it's, it's all for nothing. So we can talk about the zaniness of Friday nights and I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I don't know if it's as bad as as advertised or whatever. There's some teams in the conference that have had a lot of luck on Fridays. Utah is one of them. They, you know, for the most part, outside of conference championship games, they've done really, really well. They did lose last year at USC, but they always lose at USC. Um, you know, I, I I'm not necessarily sure the result is is indicative of why we should get rid of it. We should just get rid of it because it's Friday freaking night, which is for high school football. I, I agree with you there too. I, I mean, we were differing on the reason, but I agree with your reason too. I have no gripe against it. Um, okay. Here's what I do have a gripe against. I have a gripe against the college football playoff and the rankings because they consistently show that there's a bias against the Pac-12. A bias against the Pac-12. Pac oh, and there's another thing that we're going to talk about too which is the uh the rankings where where rivals hates on the pac 12 as well um but you have uh oregon ranked 20 23 okay they they fell eight spots 
after losing in in overtime. North Northwestern only dropped six spots. Weird, right? And they're nowhere near as talented because you know they always talk about talent, 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 right? You have Washington ranked twenty-two. Washington actually should have been ranked last week, but that's a that's neither here here nor there. And you have USC fell two spots and they didn't even play. They didn't even play and they <laughs> fell two two spots. So and and here's the part that's troublesome with me to uh, that Wisconsin who has because you would say oh well USC's only played 3 games whatever well Wisconsin stayed the exact same they stayed at number 16 despite their only wins are against they've only played 3 games as well they had they beat Illinois cancel cancel blew out Michigan who's obviously terrible uh, lost to Northwestern where they only scored seven points and then canceled this week, but they're still at number 16. How, how is that even possible? And then you get three lost North Carolina who lost to sorry ass Florida state, uh, three losses and they are ranked ahead of the PAC 12 teams. This is, this is absolutely criminal, dude. Absolutely criminal. And and then you get Iowa. Iowa has they lost to Purdue, who's dudes. Eh. They lost to Northwestern by a point. Then they beat Michigan State, who sucks. Uh, Minnesota, who sucks. Penn State, who's terrible this year, and Nebraska, who's terrible. Like, and this is a team that moves up ahead of your Pac-12 teams and is ahead of Washington, who's 3-0, and and USC, who's 3-0? They have Washington ranked behind Marshall. Stop <laughs> it. And behind Coastal Carolina. I, Ralph, I, I can't, dude. I can't. I, the USC and Washington especially should be in the – USC should be ranked right behind BYU at about 14. And then Washington should be about 17 just because they didn't start out ranked. But I do think that they're a better team than that. And then Oregon should be about 20. That's where I see things. Am I tripping? Yes. <laughs> what? And you can't. It, it's, it's really tough for me to see USC used as an example for anything right now because their opponents are a combined 0-6 and, and they won two of those games in the final minute. Uh, try 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 watching a, a a a Northwestern game. Try doing that. Who who they haven't played good teams either. I mean, it. it I don't know what to tell you. I Ralph. mean, they beat. I they mean, beat Wisconsin. Yeah, but how many times do these people or these talking heads on television always talk about? Oh, there's so much talent on this roster. There's so many five stars. There's so much talent. Give me a break. They only apply that when it when it counts for SEC schools. Because USC is clearly one of the more USC, Washington, and then uh USC and Washington have the most most five and four star talent on their rosters in the Pac 12. Right. But why are we talking uh, about what are we are we talking about roster talent? Are we talking about no 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 no? I'm I'm saying that that's what they talk about. They talk about is roster talent. But but they don't mention roster talent when it comes to USC, Washington, and Oregon. They don't they don't do it. 
They don't give you that same benefit of the doubt because just like you were like, nah, nah, because you even you have started to you've believed the hype. OK, well, first of all, believed what they've been telling. First of all, the only thing on this, they haven't played any games, George. So you're weighing six wins against three wins and trying to have an argument uh, about that. The- um, no, I'm talking about I, I, I was Four wins and two losses versus six wins and three. Right, but then you have Iowa's schedule. Like they they heavily weighted these other schools. None of this is going to make sense. I don't know why the Pac-12 tried to be uh, tried to show up two hours late for a party that that is two and a half hours long and expected to have a good time. And yeah, there already is some level of bias. And we just got done talking about everything the Pac-12 does to shoot itself in the foot. But I don't know why we're having this argument, especially using USC as a citation for anything when their opponents are a combined 0-6 and two of the wins came in the last minute and Oregon can't even find a way to beat Oregon State and Washington, who probably has the biggest argument argument of any of these teams fell down 21 to nothing to Owen to Utah in the first half. So, but it, it very much looks to me for the most part outside of Wisconsin, which just started a lot higher and got to participate a lot earlier. It mostly looks like to me that this is a volume exercise. And so it just feels like something that it doesn't make sense to get mad about because I don't think the Pac-12 should even be in this situation in the first we we knew that this was going to be a giant disaster. Now you have all the actual regular Pac-12 bowl games dropping out and the entire point of this season with Washington State not being able to play several weeks in a row, Arizona State not being able to play several weeks in a row. None of this makes sense. I don't understand wasting energy on the bias of the college football playoff committee when um, almost all of this is completely meaningless anyway. And the totems that we use to try to make the argument that it should be better genuinely suck. Like USC has looked terrible. Oregon's defense has looked terrible. I Washington, I I mean, I don't really know what to say about them right now because it was a very much like the literal definition of a tale of two halves. So maybe they have an argument, but everybody else on this list has like three more wins than them outside of Iowa. So I don't know. I I don't know how much credence to give it. I mean, Washington's opponents, I don't know. What are you going to say? Oregon State? They beat they beat Oregon State, so Washington should probably be ahead of Oregon, and they are one spot ahead of Oregon. So, I, um, what what would make you happy? What would make you happy? Because you said USC all the way up I, around fourteen. I don't think they should be above Northwestern. What have you seen Northwestern play on the struggle bus? They can't score points, but they beat two other teams on this list. They play defense. They beat Maryland by forty. I don't know. Have you seen Maryland play? But they got a win. They, it, I don't. Okay. I don't know what to say. Right. So, so do you think that all three Pac-12 teams should be ranked behind Wisconsin, who just got demolished, and, and they've only played three games? I don't even think you should be allowed to be in this conversation unless you have at least four games or five games under your belt. It's very weird to have 6 and 2 Georgia and try to debate it against 3 and 0 Washington. It's super confusing. How about how about 4 and 0 Ohio State? I mean cuz cuz that's where they're talking about talent because they blew out Nebraska. 
They beat Penn State by seven points. They beat Rutgers by 12, and they beat Indiana by 42. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean by 42, by seven. But they got to and play earlier in the season. So it's it, it would be like this. George. Ohio State only played four seasons, four games. Right, but they played them earlier, which affects the entire mindset of this weird experiment that we're talking about. So you about. think had the, had the Pac-12 started two weeks earlier and still only played four games that the rankings wouldn't look how they look right they now? They would definitely look different because you, you would have data inserted at an earlier point and everybody bases everything they do off of the previous foundation that was this late. This is why but preseason com- rankings are the worst the thing Preseason ever. rankings are the worst thing ever, but you have a month of actual season rankings in which the Pac-12 is not included. The Complaining about this as a Pac-12 fan feels like showing up in line at Walmart when they have 20 PS5s for sale and you're the 25th person in line and it costs $500, but you only have $300 in your pocket anyway. First of all, you were not in line in time. Second of all, you don't have enough money. So shut up. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me at this point in time. The entire system is confusing and I don't like it and I, I f- it feels very very weird to have a college football playoff that does not include all of college football if that's going to be I the totally gripe i 100 percent understand where you're coming from but as far as like placement i i don't even know like i don't even know how to address it because the idea that any pac-12 team would even be qualified and and what are we haggling over like ah they shouldn't be they shouldn't be 20 they should be 14 when only the top four matter it's about respect, Ralph. It's about respect. Gotta have some self-respect more- first. You gotta have some self-respect first. Well, you can't have self-respect if Michael Scott's your commissioner, dude. That's fair. You can't. Um, okay. So, but what is up with rivals? <laughs> Talking about respect. Okay. These are your people. Yeah, these Ralph. are my people. Let's get into this. 33 of the 35, what uh rival uh commits of the top what 250 commits. Are Pac-12 or of the Pac-12 schools? Thirty-three to thirty-five <laughs> moved down in their rankings. Huh? I wonder why. I wonder why this is a bias. Most of these kids aren't even playing high school football, but they some kind of way move up and down the rankings when they when they are being recruited by Georgia, LSU, South Carolina, <laughs> um, Florida, Texas A&M. Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, they they move up. But I can't I can't I know this sounds like I'm complaining about it because because Ty Thompson, an Oregon commit, moved up to what the, the number nine in the ranking. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, I am a Pac-12 guy, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I didn't see what happened. OK, so, yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm looking at this right now and I think. I think that it is certainly fair to ask the question why so many Pac-12 commits dropped in the rankings that are part of the Rivals 250. At the same exact time, you do have to recognize that you're not being overly biased here because the two that didn't drop are both Oregon commits, correct? Kingsley Suamataya went 40 spots up from 63 to 23 and then Ty Thompson jumped into the top 10 overall. Yeah. Um okay, so here 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 are a couple of the I'm I'm going to let you finish. Here are the Okay, so Sam Hewitt, 
from Washington. He moved down. You had Dallas Turner, who uh, an outside linebacker from Florida, jumped up. Oh, he just so happens to be an Alabama verbal. Up 118 spots, dude. Have, when, when have you seen somebody jump up 118 spots? It happens. Um, I mean, if you, you look at the number two prospect in the country right now, just jumped up 21 spots, and they're at IMG Academy, which means they're actually playing. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I almost wonder... I'm I'm searching. I'm just running a search right now. Okay, so let's look at this right now. I'm running a search just for just for California. Okay, Corey Foreman, who was the number one uh, prospect in the entire country. Corey Foreman was the number one prospect in the entire country. He's at Corona Centennial in California. They're not playing. He dropped two spots. Now Arizona State fans might get paranoid and say, like, "Hey, he just." included Arizona state in his top five. Is that why he dropped? No, he's not playing. There's no, there's no film to watch or to compare it, uh, to, to anybody. I don't think, I don't believe Washington is playing either right now. Right? No. So JT to dropped. Washington's not playing high school football right now. Sam Heward dropped, uh, Washington again, not playing high school football. And so we see some of these, um, Troy Franklin, Oregon commit, plays at Menlo Atherton in California. He dropped. There is no there's no data. Um now this isn't this isn't universal because Jacory Brooks at IMG Academy dropped 13 spots and obviously we already talked about how, how IMG's playing, but I think that that's genuinely going to affect things. Jake Garcia has one game under his belt, the USC quarterback commit and it's out in Georgia. He dropped 15 spots. I don't think that that has anything to do with the fact that you know, anything other than the fact that there is no film. Most of the people that jumped are playing. Xavier and Sorry. Oh, wait, hold on. And and Oregon commit also down 31 spots. Keith Keith Brown, the linebacker. Uh Chiron Ware Hudson, who was an Oregon commit but now but flipped to USC down eleven spots. I'm just saying. And they're all California kids, right? Bo Collins, Clemson commit. Bo Collins, a Clemson commit. So he he plays in California at St. John Bosco. He dropped from 45 to 57. Oh, so they just hate the West Coast in general. Well, the West Coast isn't okay. playing football. So what are you supposed to do if you if you get new information from some kids based on film, you get new information and then you have no information. Oh, hold on. Bram, Bram Bram Walden down 6 spots. <laughs> He's playing football. But, yeah, but they only played like 4 games total. So, oh God, How- Rajon okay. Davis, LSU commit. Rajon Davis, LSU commit, linebacker out of modern day. They have not played. He dropped from fifty three to sixty three. This is hurting. Xavier Worthy, Michigan commit, wide receiver out of Fresno, California, Central High School. He dropped from number fifty seven to sixty five. I think. A lot of it just has to do with no additional data. You and I talked about how these rankings were going to be probably junk. Okay, Ethan Ethan Calvert, uh, California linebacker, committed to Utah, up 15 spots. Hmm. I'm telling you, dude. I can't <laughs> he, explain he that He hasn't one. played football either. I can't explain the Ethan Calvert one. I don't know if he had like a neat weightlifting video. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's so, here's an interesting one to me, though. Jackson Dart, who has been tearing up all of Utah, 
did not move. He stayed at 105. So that, that weird, right? Yeah, that's obviously not good for anything that I've said. But Miller Moss dropped six spots, and he's at Bishop Alamany in California. They, they, he hasn't played. You brought up Bram Walden. Um, Prophet Brown. Uh, USC commit. He dropped. He's in California. Hasn't played. Brock Bowers, tight end. Georgia commit. So that if you're in California, so, you dropped unless you were Garbers, I guess. Uh, all right. So here is my question: Is so this feels like some Southern East Coast bias because <laughs> this, this this happens every year. It's not. I mean, this is just an exaggeration. Okay. Uh, I would have to. I just want to know who at Rivals is scouting the West Coast. I don't. I don't want you. To, okay. To, no, to, I'll name drop. To, I'll name drop. That's Adam Gorney. If you have an issue, you can hit up Adam Gorney. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Adam Gorney is in charge of the entire West Coast for Rivals, and that's you know that's tough because uh, I think the West Coast on twenty four seven has multiple evaluators. I think they have. Yes. Blair Angulo, who used to work with me over at Rivals, Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman. Like those are power brokers in the rankings game. And and, and Adam Gorney's taking them all on one by one. So that I I don't I'm not I'm gonna be objective. I mean, what are they gonna do? They're they gonna fire me? I'm I'm good. Like I'm I'm not worried about it. I don't have anything bad to say about Adam. I will say you have three people evaluating on the 24-7 side. You have one person evaluating on the on the uh, on the rival side with, with without really much to do right now, and so if you have people who are responsible for their regions, like you know you have somebody who's covering Florida and Florida's playing, and somebody comes in with a really passionate argument to their rankings meetings of saying this guy needs to be bumped, but because he accomplished X Y Z, and you have a California kid, what are you going to say? He shouldn't be above this guy because he's done what? Nothing, and so because he's better. Based on based on ten month old film, it's di- no no no. I I I I do get it, but there are I'm I'm talking about there are some of the kids who haven't played very much for, and some of the kids who have played and were highly regarded have moved down. So it's it's just it's just worth noting. Oh, it's That's all I'm saying. it is absolutely a worthwhile conversation to have because I think. I think there's a lot of people who would just take that stat that you said without any context whatsoever and want to burn the village down. And I get that emotion, but you also have to look at the fact that several states are not playing and several states are playing. And you and I talked to do this is going to be, there's going to be some funky recruiting classes. There's going to be funky rankings. The, a lot of these schools aren't even going to know what they have until it shows up at their doorstep. And then you're going to have a ton of people who would have really come up their senior year with nothing. They're going to have to go the JUCO route. My, my, the thing that I think is going to happen is you're going to have like legit second-round NFL talent playing at schools like Dixie State and Bethune-Cookman because – of the way this worked out. It's just like, you're just not going to be able to properly evaluate a lot of these kids as seniors, which means kids are going to fall through the cracks, which means they're going to go to smaller schools and they're going to ball out. And so that that's going to be kind of cool because there might be some extra competitive equity and then some uh, dispersion of stars all over the place. And then you, you have to factor in the weird transfer portal into all of this. um, And then the free transfer, uh, the college football is morphing rapidly right before our eyes and the pandemic is adding a very strange element to it. And, and uh, I, I'm, 
what what can you do? I'm I'm definitely not for it. You know, I don't I'm I don't I don't care for for much of this at all. I would just love for everybody to be playing and and a fair evaluation to take place. But I don't think 33 of the 35 Pac-12 commits dropping in the rivals 250 is a conspiracy. I think it's just an unfortunate uh it's an unfortunate byproduct of the reality that we're currently yeah. Mm, I'm much more cynical than than you. I've, I'm going to go and err on the side that it's a combination of both. Um, what do you think the best case scenario for the Pac-12 is this season in terms of what it gets out of the season? Because I think that, okay, so Oregon and Washington played the last week of the season, I believe, the last week of the regular part of the season. And if Washington can stay undefeated to that point, I think the best case scenario for the conference is to either have two undefeated teams in USC and Washington play for the quote unquote Pac-12 championship or to have um, or to have Oregon then beat Washington and then you have two five and one teams and then you know, and then either USC or Oregon wins, and then you have what a six and a five and two, six and one, and seven and zero oh team, which looks much better because conferences look better when they're top heavy. Like if you have teams that look elite, I mean, look at the uh, at the ACC. You have Miami, who is not as good as their record says, like in terms of, I don't think they're an elite team. I think they're a good team. They're not elite. Uh, Notre Dame and Clemson. Aside from that, nobody's afraid of anybody else in the ACC. The uh, And they're, truthfully, nobody's really afraid of Miami either. The, the, the Big 12 doesn't look as great this year because Iowa State's on top and they have two losses. The, the, the Big 10 looks fine because you're like, you have o- Ohio State. It doesn't matter what else you have. When you have teams that are top, when you're top heavy in the conference, it's actually better because then they don't get sniped off by by some little cheapy games. They get a couple free free wins, play some games, and when you have teams that have you know finished the season with a couple one loss teams and a and an undefeated team, your conference is going to look stronger. I mean, I guess, but for what? Look stronger to who? Are we still talking about the college football playoff selection committee? No, we're talking about just national for because everything's a lead in. So it's a lead in to 2021, really, is how people are going to view you the upcoming season. Because uh, from from two years okay. ago, people were like, oh, yeah, the Pac-12 is getting uh, better. Pac-12 is getting, getting better. But now... You know, you got dissed again because everybody was laughing because we weren't playing and we're the last one to start. And now we have less less games. So it allows people to talk trash. I guess. I mean, part of me understands what you're saying. The other part of me is like, you know, screw you and your perception. I dare you to schedule a game in Corvallis in November. You cowards. <laughs> like, I don't Dude, I don't if, care what imagine you think. If the ACC and the SEC had to play in conditions where you can't pass the ball downfield because of fog. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I just I'm, I'm thinking about like, uh, you know, Georgia's got that big conference uh, road trip 
uh, interconference road trip game to go play South Carolina three hours away. <laughs> meanwhile, oh like meanwhile, University of Arizona's like students are having to purchase jackets to go play in Pullman. <laughs> it's not it's not the same. It's it's a completely like every other region is an actual region. The Pac-12 yeah. is not a region. Only a few of the schools actually even border the Pacific. It's it's absurd. This this whole conference is not technically what everybody else believes a conference to be. You know, there is there is no regional tie like the sec you have a sec culture acc for the most part you know especially with the with the southeastern atlantic schools you could say that there's an acc culture big 10 you could definitely say like the midwestern culture is there um and the big 12 you know with the, the same with a lot of the flyover states and and stuff like that um with like a similar outlook on life amongst a lot of the fan base. Pac-12 is not like that. They, you can, you can get caught with cocaine in the Pac-12 and it's okay. <laughs> now in Oregon, right? Like <laughs> You can get caught with heroin and then be like, all right, all right, I'm going to play tomorrow. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's a, it's a different world out here and it's, and it spans the entire it spans like a, a fourth of the entire United States, this conference and their allegiances. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, there is teams that I feel like that, that we could include in this conference and it wouldn't, it wouldn't make a difference. Like the, you, the, the culture of this conference is so amorphous that you could throw a team like Boise state in there. You could throw university of Nebraska in there and nothing is going Don't to be. Don't try different. to give us Boise state, dude. Stop. Like you are Larry Scotting it up. No, I, no, no, there's no, 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 no. I'm not Boise. saying it should happen. I'm saying oh. that if you put a Boise state or a Nebraska in, in this conference or, uh, you know, even if you went all the way down into uh, into Texas and pulled like a TCU in, it like there is no team that you could pull into this conference where the the thing that would happen is just it's like living in the state of Arizona. Everybody's from somewhere else. It's like living in LA. Everybody's from somewhere else. The lack of culture is its own culture, right? Like there's nobody yeah. that you could pull into the Pac-12 that would tip the scales like this this vacuous void of culture that exists in the Pac-12 is its own thing. It's got its own difficulties. It's its own unique, weird, beautiful thing that you and I have embraced. And I just don't even feel like it's on the level of what anybody else is doing uh, within college football. It's like a completely different sport. It's like we have rugby and every once in a while we schedule inter uh, conference games so we can bring our rugby up against your football. Right? Like it's just a different yeah. the Pac-12 is a different world. And I'm not worried about what anybody else thinks or the trash they want to talk. I just dare their asses to come out here or we'll go out there like Cal did uh last year into the SEC and get theirs. Dude. Yeah. It's it, well. Well, the the biggest problem with that is that schedules are are made thirty years in, in in advance. When we've clearly learned that all you need is a week, <laughs> you, you, forty-eight you know, so hours should not be. <laughs> yes, games should not be scheduled more than two years out, under no circumstances. Um, okay, so 
while the games are played, though, we are having issues while the games are being played. And it comes from the Pac-12 officials. Um, if you guys haven't noticed, some of the Pac-12 officials who were some of the top rated officials are now calling games in other conferences, hmm. which is weird, right? And uh, John, John Canzano, who is, a, is on a, his own personal crusade with, with me to oust Michael Scott from being the commissioner of the Pac-12, Pac um, he asked him this last year. This was after, no, no, sorry, two years ago after Woody Dixon, who was in charge of the officials, when he telephoned the Central Command Center while watching the game from his house during the 2018 season and changed the outcome of a targeting call in the USC Washington State game. First thing is, is if that happened in the SEC this would never, ever, ever get out, first thing. But but also, it's totally wrong. You can't have somebody calling from home and be like, yo, yo, targeted ain't going to work right there. Um, so weeks after that incident, John Canzano told Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Michael Scott that nobody trusted the conference, particularly when it came to officiating. Scott shot back, quote, I'll accept any criticism, but I think that's a pretty wild exaggeration. <laughs> your your reaction to his to him saying, first of all, he says I'll accept any criticism. No, you won't, because he just criticized you and you rebut it back. But he said it's a pretty wild exaggeration that nobody trusts the conference, particularly the officiating. Well, I, I in that in, I in, see no lies. Yeah, in that scenario, I would do the same thing that I do to everybody in any argument. Whenever they make a claim, I'd be like, "All right, name one person." <laughs> it could be. It, it could, He's like me. Yeah, it, me. It could be your mom. I don't care. I'll call her. We'll talk about it. We'll find out if you're right. <laughs> Can you name one person that thinks that the officiating in the Pac-12? And, and so, you know, I think most. Most conferences, every school thinks that the officials are out to get them. The Pac-12 is the only conference that I pay attention to where, like, we all kind of give a head nod at each other. Like, I hope the insane call goes my way today. <laughs> Dude, because the even, only other conference that complains about officials as much as the Pac-12 is the SEC. And they have obvious blunders, right? Yeah, but like, it's like... Like with some spiked calls and they've gone for Auburn this year, but it's not... But like, this is an outlier. Like, this is not cons just regular... Uh, you know, regular happening. Yeah. But I like, do, does anybody else have a weekly session like amongst several PAC 12? Like, I know that every single week there's a group of PAC 12 fans on Twitter representing several schools, UCLA, Cal, Utah, Arizona state, uh, and Oregon that I, that I know of every single week and Washington state. I'll say Washington state as well, where like there's a discussion every single week of like, did you see the shit that happened this week? And everybody's on board with how we how weird it is. Like I remember when Washington State got a fifth down against Arizona State. I remember the Frank Darby non two point conversion 
I remember Oregon being offsides, not just in this Oregon State game, but also in the triple overtime game. You thought he was offsides in the Oregon State game? On, on on the goal line? I, that's I what everybody's he, talking I about. Timed, I thought he timed the snap perfectly. That, that's literally what this Canzano article is is, is built well, it, on. It, the it's also of. about the touchdown. Yeah, but it's also yeah. about the uh, the uh, non touchdown on the the on that play, which then Trich and Jebbia ends up getting hurt on the next play doing a quarterback sneak, which is really the only the second time I've ever seen a person come out seriously injured from a quarterback sneak. And that's Patrick Mahomes when he dislocated his kneecap and Tristan Jebbia, who looked like he got shot in, in, uh, in boys in the hood. Yeah. I don't know how, like I, I've, <laughs> I had a chance to meet a PAC 12 ref last year and talk to him a little bit. And I, it took everything in me not to like lash out. Cause I know that he's him individually might not necessarily be the, uh, the, the, the culprit, you know, he's pretty proud of himself and his job and his identity was wrapped up in just being an official. And he actually wore bowl game rings, several bowl game rings on a hand. Like he had won three national championships because they get rings just for refing them. And he was like wearing them all. He's super proud of the fact that he even got to ref in high level games, whether it be a national championship or a bowl game or whatever. And, you know, I, I'm not out to take bread away from any of these people individually, but there is some pretty egregiously wild nonsense that goes on in this conference. So to find out that like officials are leaving either because of the level level of criticism or the lack of accountability or, you know, that the, that the benefits would be better elsewhere and any of the, that information is frustrating to me because that just means it's going to continue to be worse and worse this year. I haven't minded it. Honestly, the ridiculous calls in 2020, it's like, I'm, I'm so happy to even have football in the first place that, and I'm so beaten down by PAC 12 officiating that each week I'm just excited to see what they'll screw up. Right? Like what, what crazy plot twist are we going to have this week? And you know, when it gets somebody hurt though, like there's no, there's no room for any of that. No room for any of that at all. And, and, but you also have to always question the motivation of the person delivering any message. And obviously Canzano covers Oregon state really closely. And it is his personal desire that he has espoused in many times in many different ways, many different platforms that Larry Scott no longer be the commissioner of, of the PAC 12. So you gotta, you gotta all, you, you have to include the grains of salt with, with how you take this and say like, all right, well, is it more egregious than it usually is? Or is Canzano just in his end game of trying to get Larry Scott ousted? And I, I you know, I can't say that I'm not, I, I wouldn't be appreciative if he actually managed to accomplish his very obvious goal. Um, but I can't tell. I, I can't tell George. I cannot tell if it's worse because it is just always very bad. Yep. I 100% agree. Oh, and and wh- while we were talking about all of this, talk, talk, talking about the other conferences as well, the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, criticized the ACC for streamlining Clemson and Notre Dame's path to the ACC championship game and said that the SEC will proudly play all its games. <laughs> Dude, this is a real thing. Like the ACC is trying to Jerry, trying to Jimmy rig teams into the to the college football playoff 
the that's why the ACC and the SEC consistently have this thing going because they only play eight conference games. So that's led to them look, looking better. But anyways, I, I digress. On to uh, better uh, things, our ratings. You guys know that we ask you guys to leave uh, ratings on the podcast because we want feedback from you guys and you guys are a part of this podcast. And so you get to voice your opinion. You get to change your opinion, say it how it is that you that you think, how you feel. And I always ask for a five-star rating. Ralph, Ralph, you can tell them you're a spill. I don't even want to even re- repeat this nonsense. If if you are an if you are an active listener, you can communicate to us through the reviews. And if you feel like there's something we can improve, you can make that suggestion with a four-star review, and we will try to earn that fifth star. I know that George hates that, but that's just a, a philosophy that I have. George, you'll be happy to know, even though I espouse that philosophy every single week on this podcast, and even though I think some of the four-star reviews are actually your fault and you're unapologetic about it, uh, we have seven of our last eight reviews are five-star reviews. Okay, so what are the, what are the new ones? Uh, we have one from November 26th, uh, from five underscore zero underscore three, that seems to be an Oregon fan. That's an Oregon area code. Am I correct? Five Oh three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Portland five stars, five stars, five stars is the title. Great. Listen. If you're a PAC 12 fan, listen to basically every college football podcast out there. And if you want serious PAC 12 talk, this is the pod you got to listen to good stuff. Guys keep putting on for the PAC 12. That even sounds like like that sounds like something I would I would uh, ask a friend to write who had never even listened to the show, and I know that I didn't do that, and I know you probably didn't do that. So that's like no, a I genuine review of somebody who really likes the show. That's kind of cool. Okay. <laughs> and this second one's for you, George. Uh, even though the review is titled "This One's for Ralph," uh, it is from Fat Husky, and it was left on November twenty sixth. George, period. Oh, do you think this is from a um, Washington fan? (laughs) Well, I'll let you be the judge of that. Uh, The review, George, period. I know you're jealous and wondering how you can garner a five-star yourself. Simple. Do everything you did last podcast, but don't allow garbage points against your freshman. Hashtag bow down, Purple King. Oh, I didn't see the bow down purple king part. Oh my gosh. So bow down, that is absolutely a a stinky husky dog. Um, but uh yeah, <laughs> that that's absolutely it. But you know things aren't right when when somebody saw, starts something off with George, period. <laughs> right. <laughs> like why why even involve me in this? Like I, I put my name in the title of the review, just take just take it up with your – you had some people in your mentions this weekend. Like, oh, my gosh. You had one because I had tweeted that uh, Washington – Oh, this is funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> Nate Robinson got knocked out by one of the Paul brothers. I still haven't bothered to learn which one. Jake, Jake okay. Paul. Uh, and, and, I mean, I watched a, a Twitter stream of the fight, and I watched him get knocked down four times on the fourth when he got knocked out. And uh, I tweeted, uh, I think, a clip of, like, the third knockdown. And I said, uh, Washington actually did take an L today uh, because Nate Robinson was a two-sport star at, at University of Washington. And I think people assumed that you were the one in control yes. of the Pac-12 Apostles' Twitter account because they were they, they were frustrated. They, they used a couple of words that I, I don't think that I'm even allowed 
to repeat to describe you, which which were <laughs> kind of funny. But no, that was not George. That was me. If it's if it's complete dumbassery from the Pac-12 Apostles account, it's <laughs> it's almost always me. Like I'm the idiot. Uh, but they got <laughs> mad, they got mad at you for it, which made it even better. Dude, and the reason why they were so mad is because during the Washington game, well, I, I, well, actually, let's let let's, okay. So during the Washington game, I tweeted out from my own personal account. I said, "Oh, why, Washington fans are real quiet now because they were down twenty-one zero at halftime." And I'm a fan of people. If you're gonna talk trash, talk trash when you're winning, losing, all of that. But they were quiet as a church mouse, dude. Quiet as a church mouse, nowhere to be found. Their um, I went to their 24/7 page. Their their board uh, had all types of criticisms about Jimmy Lake and all of this stuff. And here's the thing that their moderators do on the 24/7 site that I hate. They they take down so many posts. Any negative posts. Or anything that, you know, it, it it's like their own payroll at the University of Washington. And so I don't I don't like it. I think it's disingenuous to like a, a community. Like if someone's being abusive, then yeah, you do need to take it down. But I'm more for locking threads or, you know, like doing other things, but you can't sit there and take down posts because you don't like what people had to say. It's a message board. It's built for that. And so and so after Washington came back, they got up with 33 seconds left and Washington fans were like, oh, oh, look who's talking now. This tweet is perfect. I was like, yeah, of course you're talking now. You thought you were losing the entire game. I saw the damn message boards. Um. Anyways, Ralph, it is time for our Pac-12 power rankings Um, where we rank the teams where they are right now. Um. You can give your 12 to 6, then well, 12 to 7, and then I'll give mine, and then uh, 1 to 6, and so forth. This is this is so freaking difficult. When no, it's not. This, this is super easy, actually, for me. Oh, you, you're talking about the bottom half? It's weird because I don't even... Both halves are incredibly easy for me. All right. Well, the worst team in the Pac-12 is University of Arizona, especially with Grant Gunnell injured. I love Will Plummer, but they're twelve. That's not that's not in dispute, is it? Uh, I mean, Cal, Cal, Cal's trying. I see flashes of things from Cal that I really like, but then I guess you can make the argument of what Arizona did against USC. There were some positives, but again, Gunnell's hurt. So um, let's go with. Uh, Let's go with Cal at 11, but like a strong 11, if that's even a thing. Um, <laughs> okay, a strong 11. All right. Uh, I, we have Stanford at number 10. Utah at number 9, which I saw somebody actually had Utah uh, on the actual Pac-12 like late night show. I watched that for the first time with Ashley Adamson and uh, Yogi Roth. They had somebody else on there with them that had Utah as number three in the whole conference. Called them the best 0-2 team in the country. And I didn't you know, I didn't even know how to. There are no other 0-2 teams in the country pretty much. Yeah. So, so, so yes, they probably are the best 0-2 team in the country. <laughs> uh, I hate, I hate that I'm doing this, but my, my number eight is UCLA. 
What? Yeah. Okay. And okay. Go go on. Seven. Seven is Arizona State. Good God, Ralph. That's brutal, dude. So I got Arizona 12, Cal 11, Utah 10, Stanford 9, Washington State 8, and Arizona State 7. Is that okay? Who are who are your next six? Um, all right. So I guess this is a tough one because Washington State's only win, I think, is against Oregon State, which mucks this whole thing up because Oregon State beat Oregon. Um, but you got to do what you got to do here. So I'm gonna go ahead and have Washington State as my number six. Uh, we'll go with. We'll go with uh, <laughs> Oregon at number five because their defense what? is abominable, man. Um, yeah, but they're they're the number one scoring team in the conference. They have like, to be. You can. They have to exactly. So, oh, why is that? Is that because Travis dies on the team? You want to get back into this again? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No. Um, so what did I say? I had Oregon at five. Yeah. Okay. Um, Oregon State four. Stop, Ralph. Dude, st- oh, okay, go. Colorado three, <sighs> USC two, Washington one. And I genuinely would consider flipping USC and Colorado because I had picked Colorado to beat USC, but I wasn't super impressed. Uh, we'll leave it. We'll leave it as is. We'll leave it as is. Um, Washington one. USC two Colorado. This is three. so bad. This is so bad. Your your rankings are so bad. It would have been a All lot right, easier um, if your ducks just would have taken care of business on Friday night in the fog. So the fact that you have Oregon State four is criminal. Um Oregon State six, UCLA five, Colorado four, Oregon three, Washington two, USC one. You cannot this is weird because this is you can't. No, no, no. I, I, I don't feel good about two and one. I don't. But, but actually, but I, I could make a case that Colorado should be number one, though. You could. You could. They've run the ball. They played decent defense. Um, yeah. I. But they haven't played any of the teams that are in the top three on this list. So the only thing, well, I, if I could go back, <laughs> and I can't, I've already said it out loud, but I do have UCLA too low. I I do have UCLA too low. I will admit that their defensive line has been impressive. Their defensive backfield has been far better than I thought they'd be. I do not like Chase Griffin uh, more than Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I don't understand the culture of people who, who do. They are a more dangerous team with DTR on the field. He hasn't been on the field, so that's kind of counting against it. And I am not giving them enough credit. Raise his hand. I'm I'm raising my 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 hand. I'm not I'm not I don't hate the Chase Griffin thing. Well yeah, you know what's you know what's better than not being able to throw interceptions or touchdowns? Doing neither. <laughs> That's the perspective of like it's better to not even show up than it is to throw two touchdowns and two pick sixes. <laughs> I think it's probably a wash. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So the, the, the Pac-12 is losing bowl games r- right now, though. Pac-12 has lost a bunch of bowl games. They're down the Sun Bowl now, too. I think that I think that this is not just going to be a Pac-12 issue because it's their third one with, with an ACC tie-in, too, that's gone. I think that because uh, the Holiday Bowl has gone, I think the Las Vegas Bowl might be gone. There's a bunch of bowl games. The the L.A. <laughs> Ooh, excuse me. The LA Bowl is for is almost for sure going to be out of out of here as well, but I think you're going to have a bunch of conferences canceled because they can't afford to put out all this money. Well, bowl games canceled, put out all this money, and then have a team come down with 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 COVID the the day before the game. Yeah, I, and I get that. I think what you should do is just schedule an extra Pac-12 game or maybe play some of these games that didn't get played but allow for a local sponsor to sweep in and get some pub like if there's any like local restaurants or or something like that that get for 499 bucks can get their name on a on a book because otherwise what are you going to do i mean i think it'd be funny to have like the dollar tree bowl in salt lake city or something like that that, that. yep the uh las vegas bowl is gone so no pac-12 sec matchup there's no arizona bowl in tucson there's no holiday bowl and there's no Sun Bowl. Yeah, it's it's getting bad. The is the yeah. Idaho Potato Bowl is probably going to stay on or whatever. I don't know. I I don't actually. I don't. I don't know if we're going to see really many bowls at all. I think you should just give teams some games back. Like Arizona State would uh, really appreciate the opportunity to just get a second game in this season at some point. Yep. Yep. I, I mean, wouldn't it would, wouldn't it be good though for the Pac-12 to to play uh the the, the Big 10 cuz you had how how crazy is it that Washington was supposed to play Michigan this year? Dude, they were going to get a layup of a, a of a win yeah. over a Big 10 team. Dude, that was going to make the conference look so damn good. Been, and then <laughs> I don't know about good. It would have been a 6 to 3 win. And everybody um, would have been super hyped about it right away. And then over time, you'd have realized like, oh, that was par for the course. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So now it's on to the games. Um, so last week's games provided some, you know, a mixed bag of results. Ralph, what was our what are what is our totals because you know last last week i spotted you you know some uh, win yeah yeah, against the spread so this week we added the over under and all of that so what what was our ranking coming into the week and where are we at now okay so coming into the week i was eight and four against the spread nine and three straight up I went three and one straight up, three and one against the spread. We introduced over unders, and I went two and one because we just completely forgot to even do the Utah game at all uh, because we're professionals. Um, that puts me <laughs> at eleven and five against the spread, two and one on over unders, and twelve and four straight up. You went three and one straight up, and you came in uh, at eight and four. So that puts you at 11 and five on the season. You went one and two on the over unders. Our disagreement was on the Oregon, Oregon state game, actually. And so I got that one and you no, we both got that one. Correct. Our disagreement was on um, UCLA, Arizona, UCLA, Arizona. I went under uh, because again, Chase Griffin uh, 
the Chase Griffin effect. Um, but uh, I went under on that. So so I got that one from you. You went one well, two. If Grant Gannell didn't get, get hurt, this would have been a better game. Yeah, it, it might have been a better game. I don't know if it would have got to that 52 or whatever it was supposed to be at. Um, yeah, that it, it would have been a better game for sure. Uh, and then you went one and three against the spread, which dropped you to what? six and ten. Oh overall. god! Yeah, that was a rough, that was a that was a rough go. You're gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna take you a while. Um, you are now five games behind. I don't know how that happened. You're five games behind me when we're only playing four games a week. You're welcome, Ralph. You're welcome. Thanks. Uh, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> okay, so let, let's start with the Friday night game. You had Stanford beating Cal, playing in California, even though Stanford <laughs> can't play in California any, anymore. Um, 24-23. Stanford did not score in the fourth quarter. Um, this game was decided by a well it ended on a missed field um, on a mixed extra point by Cal after Chase Garbers let them down scored all of that and this is their second game that's basically ended on a special teams error they had a punt blocked I think against Oregon State like it it was just it's just been a mess for them they finally put together a good game Stanford still sucks running the football intellectual Brutality is broken. 35 carries, 95 yards, and yeah, 2.7 yards a carry. Cal ran the ball 35 times for 241 yards. Same amount of rushes, 95 versus 241, 6.9 yards a carry. Stamp, uh, Cal dominated this football game, but but their two lost turnovers, their two lost fumbles hurt them tremendously. And that's the only reason why Stanford was even in this football game. Stanford's not a good football well, team. That right? and that and just brutal special teams. Like David Shaw gave a quote after this game, and it was I I don't know. I don't know if this was just something you say after a rivalry to twist the knife after you've already dug it into their flesh. But he this is a David Shaw quote. He said, We have the talent to influence games on special teams, and it was great to see it happen today. That watching that game, it did not feel like a Stanford talent advantage. No. It felt like Cal was blowing it. Just blowing. And I guess that last extra point, they got some push there. And he blocked that. He blocked that extra point with his elbow. That was that was impressive. It was a bad kick, bad blocking. Yeah, but you and a good yeah, play by Stanford. Yeah, everything was bad there. It, I hate this because Cal's Cal's special teams coach, I think, is Charlie Ragel. I love that man. He is one. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm dead serious. I love that man. He's a fantastic recruiter. What well, it doesn't mean he's not struggling. He's a great right guy. Oh my it, god, that's what hurts my feelings about all this. Is like a lot of the players that they even have on that team that make them a competitive team are because of him. Like Brett Johnson is because of him. Their number two and number three quarterbacks are because of him. Uh, Braxton Croteau, their uh, starting outside linebacker. That's uh Charlie Regal special. Like they have all uh, their backup running back to Carlos Brooks. They have all of these guys because of his, influence as a former Arizona high school football coach and his ability to go into Arizona and bring these kids to Cal. 
his unit it got their ass kicked. And it was when when they missed that when they got that extra point blocked, I think I just tweeted like, oh, not like this. Because they already had the muff punt, which that was not a talent yeah. thing for Stanford. Yeah, for sure. When you put extra spin on the ball, the field goal block, I mean, I being in the situation to even have to kick that field goal, I guess that's on, you know, Cal's offense a little bit. It was weird. Cal looked like the better team. They really did. And they got beat. Uh, Davis Mills did not play as well as I thought he was going to play. I don't know if that's a credit to Cal's defense or what. Um, This is just a bad football game. I watched it in standard definition, like an a-hole. When how did you do? How did know. you possibly do that? Watching a do, Friday do they, Friday day game uh, while Black Friday shopping in yeah in standard definition it was it, it was uh, I felt how like did you a, mess that up, dude? At no point in time were you were are you looking and was like, yo, yo, am I watching a VHS right right now? I don't know if uh, maybe the game was just so bla- bad that the players were blurry. Like I had nothing to do with. <laughs> <laughs> actual television. It just was not a pleasurable experience to watch. Was there anybody for Stanford for you that stuck out? Like that you felt like they played really well and they deserve recognition? Because I feel like we're just dumping on on Cal when You're so nice, Ralph. You are such a I'm nice asking guy. you. I didn't say that I felt like there was. I'm no, asking. No, I'm just saying. You. I mean, Jet I guess owner? <laughs> Jet Toner continues his perfect season after his meltdown <laughs> at Oregon, dude. That was a that was awful. Um, yeah, so I, I would say Michael Wilson, I guess. Even my guy Simi Fahoko did nothing in this game. Yep, three for, three for twenty one, three for twenty one, Ralph. Um, Okay, Austin next Jones, game. Up. I just want to point out Austin Jones scored twice in this game. So normally you'd be like, yeah, this guy had two touchdowns, so we should praise him. His longest run of the day was eight yards. Dude, it was it was like it was like watching Oxen move up and down the the, the, I, the field. I cannot believe they got two point seven yards a carry. Meanwhile, it was just yeah. meanwhile, Cal rushed for two hundred and forty one yards. Chase Garbers didn't throw an interception. How in the hell did Cal lose this game? They were and they uh they they gotta be feeling pretty bad about this. Ten tackles oh, yeah. ten tackles for their defensive tackle, Brett Johnson. <laughs> so shout out to Brett. He's a monster. Dude, yeah, dude. I, it's gonna be interesting to see how uh Oregon plays against Cal this week. Um the other Friday night game. Do do we have to talk about this game? I mean, you. Wa- I watched it at like two in the morning, after already getting several phone calls from you uh, when I was out covering a high school football game. So, I watched the replay of it. I was. It was worse than watching a game in standard definition. The players were straight up disappearing on the screen. There were times that fog was no joke. When 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 Shuck threw the interception, weren't you like? I, I you couldn't even see that it was an interception except for the reaction from Oregon State, and you were still confused because you were like, "Oh, oh, they got off the field on fourth down. They're pretty happy about that." No, they might as well played this game in Willie Nelson's basement. Like there was no visibility whatsoever. It was crazy, and I, I mean, the funniest part of the game for me was after the game was over, seeing ASU uh, players 
from the the year where they if all all they had to do was beat uh, Oregon State and they probably would have gone to the the college football playoff. Uh, watching all the players who were on that team tweet like PTSD tweets, that was funny, <laughs> that was funny as hell. Like I I can't lie, but I felt bad for uh, I just because it it looked like they had absolutely no answer for Jamar Jefferson. What do you th- they didn't have an answer for anything. <laughs> they didn't have an answer for anything. I, I promise you, I thought this game was over at the end of the third quarter. Oregon was up 31 to 31 to 19. Oh, okay. They, they have a two score lead. Defense can't, can't stop anybody. So what they like, they're up. Two two scores. Oregon State could not stop them. Um, and it was just it was Shuck lost a fumble and then he threw two interceptions, and it was just and the game was kind of there. I mean, it started out bad for the defense. They had four guys have a chance to tackle Jamar Jefferson. First play, 82 yards out the gate. I was turning the television actually <laughs> because there was a game on. Before it, and then as soon as it came on, I was like, I saw Jamar Jefferson running. I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, so Can we, it started out on a bad note. All right, so we, we, you and I have given some opinions on both of these teams, on players on both of these teams. Is it time to reassess? So I'm going to throw a name out there. and and All right, I have been fairly disrespectful of Tristan Jebbia's ability. Uh he's still bad. Is it time okay. All right. All right. He didn't do he really didn't do anything wrong though. He didn't do anything right either. Yeah, I mean he got he got in the end zone a couple of times. He he hit Kobe Taylor on a couple of, of big throws. Dude, everybody was open, Ralph. Like everybody was open. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 that's not, it, it, these, these are my ducks. However, their, uh, their third down opponent, uh, conversion percentage on the year, 41%. Washington's down at 30. Their, uh, opponent fourth down conversions, 61%, eight, four for eight. Four for eight, Ralph. All right. So what? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Eight for thirteen. My bad. That's very eight bad. for thirteen. That's very bad. So what? They, people have gone thirteen times. They've gone for it on fourth down against Oregon. I mean, wouldn't you? You were coaching. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> you don't. I, you, and, you don't want the people to know how you would coach against the Ducks. And 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 check about the and check this out. Here's the the biggest problem with them. They are minus five on the season in the turnover margin. Last year, they were like the best turnover team in the Pac-12. Yeah. Yeah, that that uh, Shuck deserves some criticism for, for that, uh, definitely. But So what about Jefferson? Because we, we came into this game, he was not a top two running back in the Pac-12 for you. I don't know if he was top three, but I know he wasn't top two. No, 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 no I did. I put a uh, – oh, no, no, I, I had, had boy, Felton. Yeah, I, I had um, – Felton and Brightwell. Brightwell. Brightwell one, Felton two, Jamar Jefferson three. Okay. So here, here is my issue there. 
is that I can't fairly assess Gary Brightwell when when Arizona's offense looks like this. Like with Will Plummer in, you you couldn't run the ball because they knew he couldn't throw it. Oh, so what you're saying is you're not like rivals. You would not penalize somebody for not having data. No, 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 I, I am. So I'm going to put <laughs> No, I am. Okay. I, I, no, I'm not I'm not stupid, stupid. <laughs> um Demetric Felton, number one running back in the Pac twelve. Okay. Thirty two carries, two hundred and six yards, and a touchdown. Um and you have and he's doing it against everybody every week. They know they're gonna run it, all of that. Second best is Jamar Jefferson. Okay. Who's who's clearly a good up back, but to a recap and finish off the Oregon game. Travis Dye. <laughs> no, we're not talking about Travis Dye yet. What do you what do you want to talk about about him? He he had he had 93 yards. Okay. He has 36, he, he, 36 offensive touches on the season. Mm-hmm. For three hundred eighty-four yards, he's averaging ten yards a touch for four touchdowns, and he scored a touchdown once every nine touches. Yeah, but I mean, you are right. He did throw one incomplete pass, so I guess he's garbage. <laughs> I'm not calling the kid garbage. I like him, <laughs> but out of the die brothers, he's the lesser of the two. Okay, well, I didn't know that's what we were talking about. No, no, no. I'm just saying like, oh, okay. I'm going to be honest. I do not think Oregon has an elite running back that they have played. I don't think Travis Dye is elite. I don't think CJ Ver- Verdell is elite or Cyrus Habibi Likio, but they're still better than the Washington running backs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, yeah. So it, it's a mate. Do you know what is weird to me? So I'm looking at the scoring, right? I'm looking at the scoring in the Pac-12. Oregon has the number one scoring offense in the Pac-12 at 38 points a game. Um, But didn't it feel weird? And they've scored the most points, 154 points. Doesn't it feel weird, though? Like like, Like they've had the most touchdowns, 21 touchdowns. But it just feels weird. Like it doesn't feel as... No, it doesn't because a lot of their drives have been very methodical. Like, there has not been as much explosive play. It just goes to show you, like, Moorhead is for real. Correct. Because it, it doesn't even feel like they're at their full potential yet. And they. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, when you look at it on paper, on their, on their stats, nobody's just like standing out in, the, in their team, team stats. They're, um, they're leading what they're leading. Well, obviously Tyler, Tyler Shrek is their leading passer. He's the only passer. So, so far, but, um, CJ Verdell. So they have three rushers with 200 yards, Shuck, die and Verdell. And then in terms of catches, they have a guy with 16, 13, 12, nine, eight, seven, you know, all, all the way down. And it feels weird, right? Like you don't, it doesn't look like, like a, it's just a collective effort of guys who are just scoring a lot of points, and it doesn't feel like that they've scored as many points as it seems. I what, mean, as the as the results show. So here's my question: 
it, do you think there's a possibility that Moorhead could go one and done? Um, no, because he flamed out pretty bad at uh, where was that at Mississippi State? I think he's a two season guy. Okay, you know what I mean. He's like a Sarkeesian at uh, at Alabama. Right. You know, like you need – obviously, he doesn't have the demons that, that Sark had in his last stop, but but there is something to to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, and you clearly have Oregon State better than Oregon, even though nobody with a brain would think that, but that's okay. Um, all right. Arizona at UCLA. As you can see, I'm not bitter about this game at all. Um, Arizona, well, UCLA beat Arizona 27 to 10. You had Demetric Felton show out. Chase, oh, don't talk about Chase Griffin not doing anything. He was he threw a touchdown. He was 12 for 20. This, <laughs> this is the classic case of taking care of a quarterback. They you UCLA ran the ball 56 times. 56. It's not even close. Like rushing offense. That's what I would UCLA, do against University of Arizona. I, I don't even know if I would throw. UCLA has run the ball 186 times this season. That is 42 more times than Oregon. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The only other team, the, the next team that's closest to them, that is Colorado, who they've run the ball 29 more times. Then next is Oregon, who they've run it 42 more times. And then it falls way off from, I mean, even down to Oregon State, they've run the ball almost 50 times more than Oregon State has. It's unbelievable. (laughs) I don't don't know what to say. I just, uh, this game was really hard to watch. It was, it was rough. It was, uh, because Gunnell gets hurt immediately. They bring in Will Plummer, and I'm fired up about that because I've been watching Will Plummer for years. Uh, Whoopsie. There was there was some uh, a while there when they thought that maybe he'd be a safety or something like that. And the first thing Will Plummer does is, I think he runs the ball for a first down, has the ability to go out of bounds, does not take it, and tries to truck a defender. Yep. And I was like, oh man, you gotta have some you gotta have some awareness in this situation. And that's just kind of the way that he played the rest of the game. Kinda a little bit a little bit reckless. Um, definitely a little bit young for the moment. His brother, his brother is the starting quarterback, I think, due to injury for Purdue for a few games last year, and then he also was this last weekend. Um and uh, it was weird as somebody who grew up watching the uh, Jake the Snake at Arizona State see a plumber with a U of A jersey on. That was definitely bizarre. Um, that you know that that's uh, that'd be like having a, a Gronkowski at ASU or something like that. Uh, and so you know, I, I it, it was an interesting experience. I will say they they had absolutely no answer for Felton, um, which we knew going in the the talent level. Um, it's just a lot lower. And now you have Kevin Sumlin having lost 10 consecutive games at university of Arizona. I don't know what they're going to do to write the ship here. I don't know what shape Grant uh, Gunnell's in. I did see that his teammate hit his shoulder. Did you see that clip? 
his teammate patted him on the shoulder while they were standing on the sideline, and he just had this look on his face like, why the hell would you do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. That Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> like, that's that's one of them when they smack people in the head after they had a concussion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was, it just kind of sums up the whole situation down at, down at U of A. And then after the game, their leading receiver was Drew Dixon, who's a former four-star recruit uh, out of the city of Tucson. And he... After the game, he opted out for the rest of the season. What does that say? Yeah, he was like, I'm, I'm gone. All right, I mean, like, okay, so what do you make of what's going on with, with Sumlin there? They've lost 10 consecutive games, dude. Like, they're at 10 consecutive. 10. Yeah, a lot of people. That's a, how do you lose double-digit games? I don't know, man. I, so a lot of you should never lose more games than whatever your salary is. <laughs> However many millions that you're being paid, th- that should be the line where your contract becomes like no longer guaranteed. That's and, a good rule. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, like you lose a year of guaranteed money if you lose the amount of games that your con the amount of millions that your contract is. Yeah. I just, I've never seen a team that has such disproportionate depth. Like they have no linebackers at all. They have no defensive line at all. They have no offensive line at all. They have running backs for days. How do you do that? Like uh, they, this team is just, they're a mess, man. They're an absolute mess, and I don't really know what the fix is going to be. I mean, it, you you have Chip Kelly, so we we had talked about the fact that you know I felt like this was really going to be the the year that Chip Kelly and the team take a step forward and 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 find a little bit more identity, build a little bit more culture, set themselves up for the future. But then they come and they play University of Arizona, and it's like, man, is this fool's gold? Because this team is not good. They're just not not at all a good football team. And you take Grant Gannell out of the equation. And I think that Will Plummer could be something exciting for them in the future, just not not now. Yeah. They're not yeah. you don't you don't bring a freshman quarterback in with that offensive line. You don't do it. And so Well they well they tried to do it with uh Grant Grant Gunnell too. It didn't work there there either. And it, it, <laughs> this is the most important recruiting class in in University of Arizona history, I think, because this upcoming recruiting class that they have is going to be the difference between whether or not they can win five games three years from now or whether or not they're going to have like an Oregon State run of three wins is a good season for like six straight years. Yeah. And they, yeah, I don't dude. feel like they should be in that situation at all, not with the talent explosion of Arizona high school football, which they do an absolute piss poor job at recruiting, by the way. Uh, not with San Diego right there, not with your ties into the state of Texas and not, it, it just, none of this makes sense. Absolutely. None of this makes sense. And even the way that they're building their team through this recruiting class doesn't feel like they're building for the future. It just feels like they're taking kids to take kids. And I don't, I don't know. And they, they don't have the means. They don't have the financial ability to actually make a change at head coach. They've already furloughed a bunch of people and cut salaries and stuff. They don't have the money to buy somebody out. So unless the, and unless a donor steps in and they actually pay out of pocket for a buyout, it's not happening. And University of Arizona does have several billionaires who are o- alumni of that school. 
So maybe they can hit one of them up, but I don't know, dude, in this economy, it's not happening. Yeah, well, well, we well we're going to see te- Texas probably fork over 25 million dollars to get rid of Tom Herman plus uh yeah, so yeah, so Tom Herman plus the dog on um uh whatever it costs to buy out whoever they 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 get cuz I don't think Urban Meyer is walking through that door. But yeah, they yeah, they are an absolute unmitigated disaster. Uh the last game up in the Pac-12 cuz the because Colorado beats San Diego State. I don't even know if we need to even like go too much further into that. Jarek Broussard had another good rushing day. Sam Neuer was pretty efficient. I get ish 17 for 28, one touchdown, one interception. But they did book the game on like two days. Yeah. Kudos to the Aztecs for going to Boulder. Kudos to Colorado for scheduling San Diego State. If I was a Pac-12 team, I would never play them ever again. Um, San Diego State showed up without their quarterback from the previous week, and it showed. Their offense was abysmal. There wasn't really anything they could do. The prettiest thing about the game that San Diego State played on the offensive side of the football was the tweet they sent out before the game of one of their players running into a Buffalo Thought that was pretty funny. Um, the defense played well, though. I mean, even without Rocky Long, that they they really seem to know what they're doing defensively. They have a great identity. Sam Neuer made a couple of throws that were um, that were right on the money early in the game, and Broussard had a couple of runs in the first quarter that I genuinely thought we were looking at a blowout. But San Diego State held tough. They had a pick six. Uh, that's a good team, man. It's a it, 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 obviously they've been weakened by injury and not really knowing who they're playing from week to week, but that's not a team I would ever trifle with. So I, I give Colorado the credit for, for scheduling that game and for getting the W. I mean, I think you have to give them some praise. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, the last game was the Utah Washington game, which was another game that, you know, got, got put together. Um, Utah went up 21-0 and then just absolutely fell apart in the second half. Part of that had to do with Washington, I'm sorry, with Utah's, um, I'm sorry, with Washington's defense. They did play really well, but Utah was able to run the ball. They ran for 215 yards, five yards a carry. So if you are Washington, you have to be concerned about that. Um we knew that Utah wasn't too efficient passing the the football. They got in passing situations in the second half and they couldn't c- convert. He threw two picks and um and he, and he also fumbled Jake Jake Bentley. So those three turnovers hurt the team. He, even though the one was in the first half, but uh still. And Dylan Morris, Washington's quarterback, 23 for 38, 272, two touchdowns, three picks. The thing I I don't like that kid. He's he's annoying to me because <laughs> no, dude, big because he does the Jaden Daniels ice water. In yeah, my I saw thing. that. I saw that. I was I like, didn't, okay, you suck. Like you suck the entire game, dude. Like don't act like oh, like now I'm like you. You know I do this. I do do chill. Like okay, you, you you got lucky. I respected the swag and I understand the heat of the moment. Um, he made some big boy throws in that second half. You have to give him that. 
However, I do not respect using uh, an already existing Pac-12 celebration. Like, I thought that was a little bit corny. I, I did <laughs> I did think about That's that when Jayden he was doing Daniels. it. That is Jaden yeah. Daniels' celebration. That, like, my dude. immediate thought when I saw him do it, I was like, oh, Jaden. Like, wh- why? Why Why wouldn't you just do something and, else? And Jaden Daniels did it when Jaden Daniels was like, was like 12 for 19 with zero touchdowns, zero picks. The the team has 150 yards of total offense, and then they go down and score to win, and he made some personal heroic plays. And it's, and it's literally true. Like, I think that Jaden Daniels actually has ice water in his veins because he, or he's on mood stabilizers or something during the game because – you can't. You also. That's the thing about the ice water in your veins. You can't over celebrate because yeah. you don't actually care because you just believe that it will happen. Jaden yeah, Daniels and, and doesn't he was shooting it in his hand. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like a dude, are you shooting dope? No, that's or like you- a vein injection or whatever. So I uh, know I'm I'm with you there, but you have to admit a couple of those throws and it, um, it helps having Kate Otten on your team. Holy hell, that guy's good. But a couple of those throws were like, where was that in the first half? Yeah, he he fed off some energy. Utah busted some coverages. Kate Iden is a monster. That's the answer to the story. Kate Iden was better than everybody on their defense. He was better than Nephi Sewell, whoever, the safeties that were guarding him. But, um, um, yeah. And I really like um, uh, you. I'm sorry, um, Washington's DN, DN slash outside linebacker, uh, Tupelau Fatui. Yeah, this is three three weeks in a row that we've struggled with his name. If he's going to keep being this good, we we got to get we got to get this down. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because if if he's going to be all we're talking about, he's a monster. Yeah. Yeah, because I'd already had Olafashio down because I thought he was gonna be the guy, but now he's getting overshadowed. Um, can we? So we can we talk about this? Uh, you shouldn't be allowed to re- if you have a running back on your team that has the first name Jordan. You should not be able to recruit another running back with the last name Jordan. Because I and maybe it's because I'm an idiot. But I got so confused <laughs> during the Utah game. So Ty Jordan was their leading rusher, but yeah, he's also the one that fumbled. Jordan, yeah. But Jordan Wilmore had a terrible game. Yes. Okay. So I was all Ty over. The, Jordan I, is, yeah, because Ty Jordan is the freshman. He's the true freshman from Florida, right? And Jordan Wilmore is a sophomore who played a lot as a freshman, I think. Yes. Yep. He's he's a sophomore. He's he's the one with the dreads. I I was. I'm not gonna lie. Like there are points in this game when I was like, okay, what the hell is happening here? Like, is Jordan having a good game or a bad game? And uh, yeah, and I mean, uh, obviously, I'm an idiot. So, uh, but when 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 Jordan fumbled, I was like, man, that's just the cherry on a on a shit Sunday of a terrible game they had. And I was like, oh no, it it was Ty Jordan. Like he. He almost rushed for a hundred yards, and then he had the one mistake. Um, that so that was pretty yeah. brutal. No, that kid's gonna be good. That kid's gonna be good. Did it feel like, like it? Did it feel like for the whole second half to you, like Washington was gonna win the game? 
Mm, no, I, I it didn't hit me till the fourth quarter when I was like, oh, wait, wait. Actually, it was when Utah turned the ball when they fumbled the ball and they were going in to go score. That's when I was like, oh, Washington's going to win this football game. Yeah, that was a tie. That was a tie Jordan fumble. Yeah, that was. Yeah, because they were going to either kick a field goal or score a touchdown. So that that fumble was terrible. And it wasn't. So then, but I mean, also Utah just failed to capitalize on the fact that Dylan Morris threw a pick at the end of the game uh, when Vontae Davis picked off a terrible underthrow of uh, of Ty Jones. I don't know, man. It, it, I can't, I, I need to know who the real Dylan Morris is because he is, he had a couple of throws in the game where it was like, oh man, this is an exciting kid. And then he had a couple of throws in the game that was like, man, they really need to put an Ethan Garbers immediately. Yeah. I'm not sold on, on him yet. He's the guy who keeps overthrowing balls. Like, and then he finally underthrew a ball and then it got picked. Yeah. So, um, he he's going to actually have to put a good game to, together for me to give him anything at this point. And and then to now, you, to you, USC beats this team. That's what you're telling me. I don't know what to make of US USC. I just know that they're three and zero. That's what I know. And I know that Washington can't score a lot of points. That's what I know. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but. Washington is a disciplined enough football team to where they should be able to do what Arizona and Arizona state did to their spread offense. Yeah. But they're, but they have, but Washington has better players. I know Washington people are probably listening to this. Like, geez, this guy's, he's very nice to us today. No. Cause I'm just keep keeping it one, one on it. Um, okay. So this week though, the games this week, Ralph, Let's do our predictions on the games that may or may not happen. <laughs> oh, okay. So right right now, so we'll start with the first game, which is uh, Saturday. All games are on Saturday where hey. they're supposed to be. 1 p.m. Pacific time. Stanford. Oh, well, we, we need, well, we can talk, talk about that briefly now. Stanford is playing at Washington. Stanford doesn't have a home. Stanford can't play in Santa, Santa Clara County because they have said no contact sports, inter, indoors, outdoors, any of that, despite Stanford having no positive tests since July. That, since July. Eight to nine tests per week per player. They and Santa Clara is like, nope, we don't care. But they can still get tattoos or massages indoors if they so chose. Um, it feels like. But it, now, does it not feel like the whole world for the last five years has been out to get David Shaw? No, I feel like David Shaw has been out to get David Shaw too. He's the ultimate saboteur of Stanford football. By what? By even working there in the first place? Come on, like no, no I'm talking about NCAA it's, it's rules not. and California legislation. NCAA rules and California legislation have consistently adversely affected Stanford above all other schools in the Pac-12. That's just a fact. For whatever okay. mistakes he makes on his own, those are on him. But as far as like NCAA rules and recruiting and eligibility and Stanford's own administration and and now the California state legislature, 
it's just nothing. The ball never bounces in their favor unless it's Cal on special teams trying to kick an extra point. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, dude. I, you know, they have some self-inflicted wounds, so it's hard for me to really appreciate. Well, it's just it's hard to feel sorry for anybody at Stanford in the first place. I'm just yeah. pointing out that it feels like they've had some bad luck. Sure, and and it's hard to feel bad for people because, and I'm I'm not a count other people's money kind of kind <laughs> kind of kind of guy, but I just recognize it's hard for people to feel sorry for people who are making a ton of money. It's just the truth. Um, so the the line on this game, so you can are are, are you going to keep keep track of this now? Yeah, you know? yeah, I got you. <laughs> okay, so Washington is favored by eleven and a half points. The over-under is 50. I am going to take Washington. Ooh, even in Seattle, man, because Stanford does like to muddy up the game. And Washington likes to play a muddy game, even though they don't want to be that. That's who they are. So I'm going to pick Washington to win. Stanford plus the points, though. And I'm going to take the under. Okay, I will go with Washington to win and the opposite of everything you're doing because you're just toxic right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so I'll make all my picks first then. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to, man, because I need to know what not to do. (laughs) I'll take Washington um, in the over. Stanford's going to make this game ugly. Washington finds a way to play ugly, ugly games. And you can only play like that for so long. They're going to have to figure out how to win pretty. Um, Next game up, Colorado at Arizona. Colorado's favored by seven points. Grant Gannell looks hurt. Arizona can't run the, oh, the over under is 59. I am going to take the, oof, that means I would need at least almost 30 of the 35 of these points from Colorado, but I'm going to venture out into that territory. Anyway, Colorado, the over and yeah. So Colorado's favored by seven points, Ralph, sorry. Um, favored by seven points. They're playing in Arizona, Colorado's three and oh, I like Sam Neuer, Jarek Broussard. Give me Colorado. They cover. And the overhits. Okay. I'm with you. Uh, Broussard is going to have himself a day. Um, and if not him, Bo Bicharat or somebody else, anybody who gets the handoff is, um, they're going to be flying on that turf down in Tucson on a beautiful, beautiful day here. Um, but I, I, don't, I just don't see these two teams combining for almost 60 points. I don't see it. I'm going to give me a, give me a, a, a 24 to 7. Colorado win or even 31 to seven. I don't see them getting close to, uh, to 59. So, uh, and the Colorado rolls and stays undefeated and we have to have weird conversations about where they actually belong. It's going to be going to be interesting. It's going to be really weird when Colorado runs the table game getting canceled. Yep. If Colorado runs the table in, in, uh, Carl Durrell's first year, the, our expectations are going to be so messy for what the conference is supposed to look like next year, because they're going to be the ones to throw it all off. 
Yep. Yeah, because it's like, how are you supposed to even calculate what's happened this year for next year? Um, the next game up, you have the Oregon Ducks at at Cal. Oregon's favored by 10 points. The over-under is 59. Give me Oregon. Give me the 10 points. Well, I'm, I'm where they're going to win by more than 10. And the over is going to hit. I'm going to get at least 38 points from from Oregon, and then you know they'll they'll uh, give up 20 21. So I so I should get there. Mm. That's a that's a good line that they said. That 10 feels about right. I mean, but I can't I can't like call for a push. I like the over just like you. Um, but again, uh, I gotta I gotta. Um, push back against the, the the cold hand you've had. So I'll, (laughs) I'll take Oregon to win Cal plus 10 and over 59. Wow. That's funny that if Cal runs the ball, like they ran it against Stanford and that, and Oregon can't fix whatever's going on with their defense. I think they'll keep it close. So I'm not just being a jerk here. I genuinely think that there's an opportunity here for Cal to do some damage. I don't, I don't okay. think I don't think they'll win. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Uh the last game up. Oh, actually, no. The next game up after that is the Oregon State at Utah. This game is on ESPN as well. Actually, let me let, let me give you the other ones. The Oregon game's on ESPN at four o'clock. The Stanford game is on Fox at 1 p.m. And the Colorado game is on FS1, Colorado, Arizona at uh, FS1 at four o'clock. Then you got the Oregon State at Utah game on ESPN, Pac-12 after dark. Utah's favorite by 11 points. The over under is 51 and a half. Give me the, give me the over and give me Oregon State. Uh, I'm picking Oregon State to win. Okay, you're gonna have to hit me with this line one more time because you you threw Utah's me off there. up by Utah's favored by eleven points. Okay. The over under is fifty one and a half. All right. I I'll I'll take the over, but You know what I'm feel, I'm 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 sensing some we- just weirdness that that could happen here. I'll we'll give we'll give Utah the win. Uh Oregon State will cover and we'll hit the over. All right. Yep. Too many overs. Got- Going with way too many overs this week. <laughs> I got the over. I got the 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 Beavers and the Beavers. That would All just right, justify uh, the ranking that I gave them. I just went against my own ranking. That I'm in. I'm. I obviously have no idea what I'm doing here. Well, you're 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 doing better than me right now. <laughs> um, all right. So UCLA at Arizona State. Arizona State hasn't played in hasn't played this season apparently, um, and they are favored by three points. I think this line is free money. I think this line is terrible. It doesn't matter whether Chase – well, actually, 
Arizona State has a better chance if Chase, if um, Dorian Thompson Robinson plays than if Chase Griffin plays. I don't know. Dorian Thompson Robinson beat the living hell out of ASU last year. If you remember that. Oh yeah, that was his mm-hmm. best game. That was UCLA's best game as a team in years. Yep. Give me. Yeah. Give me. Um. Yeah. Give me UCLA. Yeah, UCLA straight up. And there's no way I can't take the over in it. Actually, actually, I'm going to take the under in this game. I'm taking the under in this game. The over-under is 55. I'm taking the under. Smart man. Smart man. I'm rolling everything you just said. I, I don't know. You can't just take three weeks off. We still don't know if they have everybody from the offense back. We don't know. Uh, and they're missing Jack Jones and Ashari Crosswell. Oh yeah, we we forgot to mention that. Why, Ralph? Well, why? There's only two reasons. <laughs> there's only two reasons that college football players get suspended that don't involve a police report, and those two reasons. Uh, and usually, if it's academic, we find out. Um, those two reasons are either a uh, dirty piss test or uh, fisticuffs, <laughs> which you don't <laughs> always get suspended for fighting. You don't. I want to be really clear on that. I know, I know about 18 different stories of fist fights and I've even witnessed fist fights at, at college football practices that didn't end up in, I witnessed a punter fight at Arizona state one year, uh, where, where, where two punters were full on throwing hands and you know, nothing, nothing came of that. And I've, I've heard rumors of a few more, so I can't, I'm, I'm not saying that I know for sure that it was a conflict, but I do know that the two reasons that you ever really see, um, Athletes get suspended for personal conduct that don't involve any issues of legality. Usually, have to do with a uh, a, a bad a, a bad urine test and or a a uh, unresolved physical conflict. And so, I mean, take take your pick. All I know is it's not a legal issue. So, um, and I I would with Jack Jones being on like the dean's list last semester, I highly doubt that it's academic. So, um, you have two hothead. Uh, defensive backs uh, that have not had anybody to take it out on in a month. Uh, there's a pretty good chance there was just some type of conflict there, and 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 they'll have to get back in the good graces of the uh, coaching staff. Lucky for Arizona State, they are very deep in the defensive backfield, but it's not the defensive backfield that they have to worry about in this in this game. It's can they stop the run, and they haven't had to face really a running game at all because their only game was against USC. So, um. We don't know what's going on with ASU's offense. We have absolutely no idea what's going on at the quarterback position for UCLA. I'm assuming DTR comes back, but even if he doesn't, if Chase Griffin can avoid making any mistakes and they can rely on the running game, you know, I don't know. I I don't know. Am I going to lose my Arizona State base if I say that I don't think they win? Oh, yeah, dude, of course. They're going to try to fight you. Well, then I'll be indefinitely suspended as well, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> all right, we'll go with we'll we'll, we'll take you UCLA. You said they're plus three. No, UCLA is plus plus three. So yeah. Arizona's favored by three points. All right, we'll take UCLA, especially with last year's results still fresh in my mind. That was a butt kicking. Um, we'll go UCLA plus three, but I, I'm not taking the over. No way. Okay, cool. 
Um, last game up. We got Sunday Pac-12 football, and it's not even at 9 a.m. USC gets a favorable uh, kickoff time, so it's going to be on FS1. Uh, come conflicting with the NFL game, so we'll see how the ratings are. Um, Washington State at USC. USC's favorite by 13 points. It's games in the Coliseum. USC didn't play last week. They're probably all mad and everything. You know, uh, they squeaked by. Well, actually, no, they beat Utah pretty handily after Utah's quarterback got hurt. They couldn't do anything, even though Utah played better against Washington. They only beat Arizona by four and they beat Arizona State by one. Uh, as long as Washington State's quarterback is back. So I'm going to assume Jaden Delora is going to be be back. I feel like that's a safe assumption. And if that's the case, USC's favored by 13 points. I am taking Washington State straight up to win this game. Actually, no. Yes. No. Damn. Okay. I know I have to go first. Oh, and the over under 67 and a half, Ralph. 67 and a half points. We running this with game, it? Are we running with it? Are we jumping on that on, on a 70 plus point game? Yes. I am <laughs> taking the over in the game, Ralph. Okay. And of 67 and a half, I'm taking the over. Um I don't think USC's defense is gonna be able to stop them. I say USC wins. Ugh. And but less by less than the 13 points. This is going to be a close game, much closer than USC wants to have. But Washington State's tough, dude. They are tough, and their young quarter quarterback. If he's been able to practice, this kid will be good. All right, uh, I, I'll, I'll take uh, USC to win, Washington State to cover, and I'm gonna roll with the under here, just because I think they, they might be a little bit rusty um and i haven't really seen that level of firepower from usc's offense anyway yeah but but here's the thing though washington state did give up 43 points and 30 to oregon and 38 points to oregon state those two teams run the ball Mm, ralph Pick is locked. One of those teams, <laughs> one of those teams even has Travis Dye, who is elite. That's a good place to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. Ralph has silenced the entire podcast. Uh, please make sure that you share the podcast with a friend. Tell a friend about it. Hope you guys uh, enjoy it and continue to like it. Leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Peace out. Catch you guys next episode.